Well, the choir is helping us to learn to praise the Lord, and that can be fun, right? It can be fun to praise the Lord, and uh, that was a lot of fun to sing and clap and join in with the choir. You just sang the words, or at least I sang them. I didn't turn around and check on every one of you. But we just sang the words, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. That's a lot of yeses. I hope you meant it. I hope that right now your heart is open to God and you're saying, yes, Lord. Whatever you say to me, whatever you impress on my heart, yes, Lord. Could you say it again with me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So I hope that's the attitude of your heart as we open the Word of God this morning and uh, reflect on what the Spirit might say to us. Are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? I want you to think about that today. A thermometer, you stick it on the wall or you stick it in your mouth and it tells you the temperature. It doesn't control the temperature. It doesn't change the temperature. It just tells you the temperature. A thermometer reflects back the environment. It doesn't change anything. It's just reflective. It reacts to the environment. Friday night, we had some friends over at our house, and we were talking, and somebody finally said, I can't believe we're talking about this. Let's stop. We were talking about the news of the day. Well, some of the news of the day. Paris Hilton, of course, had been in jail and been out of jail, and then by Friday night, she was back in jail. And we were talking about that with a lot of emotion, and somebody finally said, stop it, this shouldn't even be in the news. Why are we talking about that? Well, I'll tell you why. We were thermometers. We were just reflecting our culture, right? We could have been talking about the glorious space shuttle launch. They got off successfully. They're flying back to the space station. Big deal. We could have talked about the uh, shake-up in the military, new leadership on the war, Gates has made some changes. We could have talked about that, but no. So this morning, think about it. Are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? Now, we've all used a thermostat. There's one right over here. If you're uncomfortable, just feel free to go over there anytime and change it. It won't make any difference, but uh, <laughs> there is a ther- thermo- uh, thermostat over there. Now, a working thermostat, that one's not, but a working thermostat, actually, you can set it And you can find the temperature in the room, right? If you want to be hotter, you turn it up. If you want to be colder, turn it down. So the difference in a thermostat and a thermometer is that a thermostat can change things. It impacts its environment. So this morning, again, are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? I want to talk about that. We are wrapping up, actually wrapping up next Sunday, but we're wrapping up our study in the book of Philippians. And I've called this Spring into Joy. Spring's about over. So we're going to be about over with Philippians. But we're in chapter 4, and I'd like you to follow along in the Scripture today. Chapter 4 of Philippians, page 198-199, if you want to turn in your Bible to the back. And in the end of this letter, let me read, and I want you to listen for a moment. Don't read along in Scripture, because I'm reading from a different version. This is the message paraphrase. But... um, We're asking the question of Paul. Do you think Paul was more thermostat or more thermometer? Listen as I read. Paul writing to the church. I'm glad in God for happier than you would, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. 
Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned how to be quite content with what I have in my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, and with much as with little. I have found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. This morning, borrowing from Eugene Peterson, I'd like to talk to you about the recipe for happiness. Now, I don't know about you, but some in this room are probably cringing a little bit. Oh, there is a recipe for happiness? This sounds like preacher talk. This sounds too good to be true. This sounds just like something that's going to be put out on Sunday morning, but it's not real. It doesn't work. Uh, but let's stay with that, because it, that is what the Scripture says in this verse. Paul says, I found the recipe for happiness. What do you think? And Paul seems to think that he's latched onto it. So let's look at what Paul says today. All the while, are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? And what do you think Paul was like, thermometer or thermostat? So uh, we've already said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Amen? Yes, Lord? We're, we're slipping. Yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Okay, so you're going to listen. Here we go. The main, I'm going to give you some ingredients. I think these are the ingredients. They're not mine, but I think they reflect what Paul's saying here. Some ingredients for happiness. And the first one is, uh, the first happy, uh, happiness ingredient is in this recipe, who you know. K-N-O-W. Who you know. At least for Paul, his happiness had a source. Now, I'd like you to sit up straight, take a deep breath, because I'm going to give you some numbers. Some of us like numbers, some of us don't. But you ready for some numbers? Okay. I went through the book of Philippians, and 22 times Paul refers to Jesus. He often writes, uh, well, let me, and yeah, 22 times he refers to Jesus. 39 times he uses the name Christ. Sometimes it's Jesus Christ, sometimes it's Christ Jesus, sometimes they're together, sometimes not. So 39 times Christ, 22 times Jesus, 22 times the word Lord appears here, and 15 times the word God. Now, if my math is correct, that's 91 references in 104 verses to God, Jesus, Lord, or Christ. That's a lot of references. Think about the last email or letter you wrote. Did you reference the Lord at all? Ninety-one times in this little letter, Paul refers to God in some form, in 104 verses. Is Paul more like a thermometer or a thermostat? Who he knew was the recipe for his happiness. That's what I'm suggesting. And it's demonstrated by this repetition where he is always talking about Christ. Now, let's look at some verses. Let's read these together. And this is just a sampling. Obviously, we could read this about 91 times. But let's read. Would you read the first one with me? Let's put up this verse from chapter 1. This is the very first verse. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Okay? The next one. For me, living is Christ. And from chapter 3, this huge verse. I want to know Christ. And then from our text today, one more. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now, again, I want to suggest to you, as Paul says, I found the recipe for happiness, 
I think the key is in who he knows. And this is, I think, the, the most important of all the ingredients we're going to talk about. Who he knows. Who does Paul know? Christ. Yeah, he knows Christ. That's what he's talking about. So uh, that's what Paul suggests. Now, let me put up a picture. Do you know who this is? Oh, they're groaning. Don't run out. Hear me out before you can leave afterwards. But give me some space here. You said, do we need more of this? Um, now, let me ask you a question, and you just answer in your heart. I've already got my answer. But you be honest with me in your answer as you think about this. Have you ever thought, we're talking about becoming happier, being a more content, a more happy person. Have you ever thought this? If only I had, well, let's put it this way. If only I was rich. I'd be happy. Or you might be more modest and say, if I just had a little more money, I'd be a little happier. Or you may have thought, you know, if, uh, if I was beautiful, I would be happier. Yeah, thank you. If I was just more beautiful, I would be happier. Or maybe you've thought, if I was famous, I'd like to be famous and then I could be happy. Right? Some of us have thought that. Or you might put it in different terms. You'd say, if I was just successful, you know, James is thinking, if I was the number one student at Fuller Seminary, I'd be happy. Now, let me put up, what happened to my picture? Come on. All right. She is a beautiful young lady. I mean, uh, some of you don't buy it. Okay, let's move on. Put up another picture. Who's this? It's the Apostle Paul. This book cover kind of tips it off. I was, uh, I, I don't know whether to share this information or not, because this could be, I, I googled Paris Hilton. And you google images so you can get a picture of her. And uh, I came up with over a million hits. You can get over a million pictures of Paris Hilton off the internet. How many do you think you get for Paul? Well, it's more than two, between 40 and 50,000. Now, of course, we don't have any photographs. But I think just that statistic alone says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, that's kind of amazing. Now, obviously, we don't know what Paul looked like, but some have said maybe he was bald. He was Jewish. We do know that. Some have said he was ugly. He himself says, you know, I don't impress people with my appearance. Uh, Paul did have his measure of fame. I think he was similar to Paris in the sense that folks knew about Paul. But he didn't have any money. He said, there are times when I've been absolutely broke. There have been times when I've had plenty. Now, I want you to think, and we couldn't, I don't suppose I could prove this, so it's subjective, but who do you think is a happier person? Now, both are in prison. Remember, Paul spent some time in jail. She's still there this morning at HOJJ. So, um, who do you think is a happier person? Yeah, now, we're prejudiced. We're in church. But you could probably make a pretty good case for it, You couldn't you? And I simply say that to point out that if you were richer, you really wouldn't be happier. If you were more famous, you probably wouldn't be happier or more beautiful because happiness does not rest in those things. And you just think about it, Paris and Paul. Keep that in your head, okay? So I think it's important to uh, check out who you know. And I would like to suggest this morning, friend, in fact, by question, do you know Christ? Because I think the difference in Paul and Paris is who they know or who they don't know, and that's Christ. And as you read this letter, you cannot escape that for Paul, it was Christ 
that carried him through the trials, that was with him in prison, that helped him to say, I rejoice, I rejoice in the Lord, I'm happy. I found the secret of happiness. How did you do that, Paul? It's in Christ. So the question is, do you know Christ? Are you seeking your happiness in your education or in fame or success or power or money or something else or Christ? And as you listen to the words of this man who said, I found the recipe for being happy, you have to realize that happiness is in a person and that person is Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? And if you're unhappy, why not look to Christ and open your heart and say, Lord, Lord, come in. I need you, and I want you. And you can open the door of your heart. Say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Come in and seek Christ as the one who can help you be stable and is the recipe for happiness. Now, there's another ingredient. There's another one, and this one is what you learn, what you learn. I want you to listen to the word or listen for the word learn in this scripture. We're back in our text in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And as I read, listen to the, for the word learn. Paul's reflecting on his experience. He says, not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed or of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. If you follow along in the outline, you might want to fill in this blank. A great joy robber is lack of contentment. A great joy robber is lack of contentment. Now, in Paul's day... As he writes, he pulled a lot from his culture, just as we do today. And the word contentment here, it's the only place it's used in the Bible. You can find the English word contentment elsewhere, but you can't find this word exactly that Paul used. Because he was borrowing it from Greek philosophy and the Stoics. You've heard of Socrates? He used this word. And he said the goal of life is contentment. And by that he meant sort of a self-sufficiency, not a selfishness really, but just, you know, I'm okay by myself. I'm okay, uh, I'm self-contained. Uh, one of our sons was, as he grew up, it was obvious he, he had an independent streak and he could play for a long time by himself. He didn't have to be entertained all the time. He wasn't high maintenance. That's kind of the idea here. So Paul says, uh, I have learned the secret of being content. I am content. And he pulls this word from the Greek culture to say, the Greeks think they've got it. I don't think so. I've got contentment. And I've learned that. Now, I want you to think with me of a challenge in your life or some difficulties you're facing. Every one of us in this room could name at least one challenge. Think about that. How are you handling that challenge? If we went back to Acts chapter 16, where Paul started the church in Philippi, many of you know the story practically by heart, but remember when Paul sailed into Philippi and he went there to begin preaching about Christ, he went to a river. There was a woman there named Lydia. They had a prayer meeting. It was the first ABW circle, probably. But uh, anyhow, he went there, and the church was born out of that experience with these women praying. And Lydia accepted Christ. As the gospel went forth with power, it upset some people in Philippi, so much so that Paul and Silas were taken in, and they were beaten, the Scripture says in Acts 16, I think it's 25, they were beaten with cords. And then they were locked up in prison. And such was the commotion that the 
magistrate said, put them in the deep prison. Put them in the dungeon. I don't think they were in the psych ward like Paris, but uh, they were down deep in there somewhere. And he said, put them in stocks. Now, can you imagine trying to sleep with your feet clamped? Can you imagine sleeping with wounds on your back and no neosporin? We read that at midnight, Paul and Silas were awake. Now, I don't think they were awake because they were spiritual. I suspect they were awake because they were suffering. They just couldn't sleep. And when you have a sleepless night, when you have a challenge, what do you do? Paul says, I've learned how to be content. What do you do when you're really facing a hard time? Some of us cuss, some of us flip people off, some of us get angry, some of us blame somebody else. What did Paul and Silas do? It's very instructive. It says they prayed and they sang hymns to God. Now, there's an idea. The next time I'm upset, what could you do? It's not natural for some of us, but Paul didn't say it was natural. He said, I have learned how to be content. It's a learned behavior. And for many of us, we're still learning how to pray better and to pray at all. But learn to pray. Learn to sing. How many of you, when you get upset sometimes, you'll put on some Christian music or you'll sing some of these songs that we sing in church? How many of you ever do that? I know some of you do. Yeah, some of us do. It's a great strategy, my friend. If you haven't learned to do that, that's a good learning for you. If you want to learn how to be happy, as Paul counts happiness. Because you'd be amazed sometimes when your mood is dark. If you'll start singing to the Lord, put on some Christian music, it can turn your whole day around. And Paul says these things, I have learned how to be content. So learning to be content means that you've learned to pray, you've learned to give, you've learned to worship, you've learned to sing, or you're learning these things that go so far down the road to helping us as we look for this recipe for happiness. Now, one other one. Generosity, not greed. Generous people are frequently happy people. They generally are. I put this down. Do you know that stingy people are stinky people? I don't know if it's true, but that sounded good. But it is true that generous people are just healthier people. Now, we don't have time to fully develop this point. We could spend a lot of time on it because Paul talks about generosity quite a bit. But why is he writing this letter? One reason is it's a thank you letter because the Philippians gave money to Paul's ministry supporting him along the way. They had been generous with Paul. And I'll read that scripture in just a minute. We're going to be taking the one great hour of sharing offering. And as we do that, we're asking to give money that goes to help relief efforts around the world. We try to be generous. Generous people are genuinely pretty happy people. Now, listen as I read, because Paul's writing as sort of a thank you and appreciation to the church for giving. Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. And by concern, he means you've given to me. You've prayed for me. And then another verse. It was very kind of you to share in my distress. No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. So Paul celebrates generosity. Now, I want to share with you one final ingredient. One final ingredient. We've talked about uh, in this recipe for happiness, it's who you know that's going to make all the difference in the world. We've talked about the fact it's what you've learned, how you learn to respond in difficult times and in terrific times. That's key. And then we've talked about generosity as a key in the recipe for happiness, the ability to give. And then finally, here's this one. 
confidence in God's power. Confidence in God's power. The book of Philippians has a lot of good verses to memorize, but these two you really ought to memorize for sure. Philippians 4.13 and Philippians 4.19. Let's read them together. These are just amazing verses. Shall we read? I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. And that one, of course, is Christ. And now this one. My God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's talk a bit about these verses. The question really is, how much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? As you think about your challenges in life, how much do you trust God to meet you in the midst of those challenges? We call God's control over life, God's power. There's a big word for that. It's called sovereignty. God is sovereign, like a sovereign ruler. And the question is, really, how much do you trust in the sovereignty of God? How big is your God? How powerful is your God? Is he really big enough to help you in your situation? So it does come back to trust, doesn't it? How much do I trust God? Do I have confidence in God? Now, do you think Paul had much confidence in God? (laughs) You see, even prison, even beatings, none of that could erase in Paul's mind the fact that God was with him and going to take care of him. It's amazing. Now, Paul says in these verses, he says, you know, I have learned that if I lack nothing, it doesn't really destroy my happiness. I can still be strong in God when I'm poor. But the flip side we need to hear as well. Paul says, when I'm, I've learned how to have plenty. When I'm on top of the mountain, I'm okay then too, because Christ is my constant. So I'm not a thermometer that drops down and bounces up and drops down and bounces up when the winds change. I'm not a thermometer, Paul says, because he has confidence in God. He has great trust in God's power. I like this paraphrase. I tried to recast what Paul has written here, and it helps me. See if it helps you. Paul speaking. I'm doing quite nicely here in prison. Really? It's okay. No, actually, I can't think of anything I need, but thanks for asking. I'm in touch with the one who strengthens me, and he is quite enough. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the help you have given me. In fact... The one who has made me so content will do the same for you. He actually can meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's quite a statement. Do you have confidence in God and in God's power? Now, as you think over your life, are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? You're way up, way down, bouncing around. Or do you have the constants of Christ in you? Paul had that constance of Christ. Paul had that constance of having learned how to respond in every situation with prayer and singing and faith and scripture and worship. Paul was a giver, not a taker. And he had this enormous confidence in God. I don't know, I think some of you will remember the story. Um, November 14, 1960, New Orleans. It's the civil rights era. Martin Luther King has been becoming more and more popular. And the federal courts have just mandated that the New Orleans schools must be segregated. So they gave some tests to black children to pick out the smartest ones that could survive in, a, in that environment of a white school. 
And one of the little girls who passed the test and was decided she could go to, let's not put that up there yet, thanks. One of the little girls that was uh, passed the test and she was going to be taken to a white school, in fact, William France School in New Orleans. She was six years old. And she would be the school, the school girl, among others in other schools, who would go into that school and integrate it. Her name was Ruby Nell Bridges. And on November 14th, the federal marshals came to her house. Her mom and dad were there, and they'd gotten her dressed in her little dress. And uh, her dad was pretty much opposed to it. He said, this is, we just don't need to do this to our daughter. But her mother said, oh, yes, we're going to do it. And so they did. And uh, it had all been set up, and the marshals came and got her and Ruby and her mom, and they went to school. And the marshals said, we'll walk in, and two in front and two in back of you. And so they went to that school, William Franz School, and it was just chaos, a riot almost, with people lining the sides of the walkway as she walked up the path, people cursing, spitting, screaming, not wanting the school to be integrated. That day, Ruby says, we went into the principal's office and we sat there all day as white parents pulled their kids out of the school. She said, we could see them outside. I didn't really know at the time what was going on. I just knew it was really noisy and people were kind of staring at us. So after a day in the principal's office, she went home. They went back the next day. And she went into the school, same kind of situation. Now, her mom had said, Ruby... um, In fact, Ruby writes this later. She said, Mama taught me, Ruby, remember if you are afraid, say your prayers. You can pray to God anytime, anywhere. God will always hear you. And so the next day they went back to school and her mother said goodbye and the marshals took her upstairs to the second grade classroom. There were all the desks set out and she walked into the classroom and a very young white woman named Mrs. Uh, Harris, I think it was, Mrs. Henry, Mrs. Henry threw out her arms and said, Ruby Nell, good morning. How are you? And Ruby said, I'm fine. She said, well, pick out one of the desks. And Ruby said, I picked a desk up front. And so she sat down there, and Mrs. Henry began to teach her. And that's the way it went all year. Mrs. Henry and Ruby in the class, nobody else came. The children had been pulled out of the school. Ruby's dad... um, lost his job, got fired because his daughter was making so much a fuss. A six-year-old, mind you. Ruby's grandparents had been sharecroppers all their lives, but of course they didn't own the land, so they were kicked off the land because of the fuss about Ruby. Every day she went to school. The crowds finally calmed down some, but every day she went to school, the marshals took her in, the people were there yelling and cursing and telling her to go home and calling all their hateful names. And she would march through that crowd, and she would go into Mrs. Henry's class, and Mrs. Henry would teach her. By the way, Mrs. Henry was fired the next year and sent back to Boston. But Ruby did that. One one day as she walked into uh, school... She was walking up the sidewalk there, and Mrs. Henry was looking out the second-floor window, watching Ruby walk in amongst all those people and all the conversations. And she saw Ruby's lips moving. And so when she came to class, Ruby said, uh, or Mrs. Henry said to Ruby, uh, Ruby, I saw you talking to the people today. What were you saying to them? And Ruby looked at her, and she said, I wasn't talking to anyone. And Mrs. Henry said, oh, but I saw your lips moving. And she said, oh. I was praying. Mrs. Henry was shocked, and she said, you were praying? She said, yes, I forgot to pray this morning, and I forgot to pray in the car, and I was afraid. 
I was afraid, and my mama taught me to pray. So I was praying for them that God would help me and that the Lord would forgive them for what they were saying. Six years old. Dr. Robert Coles, a Harvard psychiatrist who loved to study poor children, an amazing individual himself, had volunteered and said, I would like to meet with the families, these black families that are children are being put under all this pressure. So he began to meet weekly with the Bridges family. He would go to their homes, spend a lot of time in their homes, spend a lot of time with Ruby. Do you know what he concluded? He's written a lot about it. (laughs) He couldn't believe what he saw. He thought there would be all this damage and torment, and how could this little girl go through this? And what he realized, that this family had something that he didn't have, and that was Christ. Dr. Coles eventually became a, a believer out of that experience. He's written a little book. You ought to buy it for your kids. It's the story of Ruby Bridges. Now, this morning, you may say, well, Paul, you know, he could get through anything. How did he do that? Huge faith in Christ, prayer, worship. But I want to tell you it happens today. Ruby says today there are three things that got me through that. One was my faith. One was prayer. And the other were family and friends. When my mama couldn't be there because she went to work, other ladies would come in and dress me and send me off to school. It's amazing. It's amazing. She's a wonderful person today. Not damaged or all twisted by that stuff. How does it happen? It happens because Paul really does have a recipe for happiness. And that recipe is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That recipe is learning how to lean into Christ at every junction in your life to meet your needs. So, do you know Christ? Do you want to be happy? It's up to you. I want to pray, and this prayer is in your handout. You can read it on the screen or it can bow your head and listen, but let's pray now. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing word. Many of us grew up singing, I can't get no satisfaction, though I try and I try and I try. Honestly, Lord, we have tried lots of things that did not bring us satisfaction. Today we have heard your servants say, I have learned how to be satisfied whatever the circumstances. Could it be true for us, for me? Could we learn the secret of being satisfied? Is it possible with all the beamers and benzes, with all the beautiful people around us, that we, that I, could be satisfied? That would be sweet, Lord. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we turn to you today. You, Lord Jesus, are our hope, our confidence, our strength. Strengthen us during our weakness. Satisfy our thirst Help us to do everything you want us to do so that we can become a bridge of love to someone real soon. Yes, we can do all things through the one who gives us the strength in Jesus' power. Pray. Amen.